Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shnaz Ahmed, and today is Book Talk with Erin. So the book we are discussing today is My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. A conversation twists and turns and it goes in different directions, but that's the nature of of the book. So without further ado, let's just get started. This is part one of two. Erin, welcome back to Living a Life Through Books podcast again. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk about this book today. Yes. And now I remember the name of this book because it's not a very large name. It's not a very long name. (laughs) But the book kind of represents the name My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. Okay, let's do it. I have to tell you, I read this book and it's just something that I got to unpack. Did I just you listen have to the to audio? Process. I don't remember. Um, I think I did audio. Okay. Um, I can't remember. I, I want to say I did audio. Okay. I, I did the audio and I okay. thought that the reader um, for the audio was really good. The narrator was, um, was excellent and I think made it a little bit more realistic even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did audio and um, yeah, it's a, just... Um, I thought it was a great book from the point of view that it was written through her mm-hmm. point of view. Because whenever you think, oh, he's a pedophile, it's automatic that it's all bad, it's horrible, it's horrible, it's horrible. I'm not saying it's not horrible, but still, majority of the book is her trying to defend him and balance it out. I mean, it's like every time she hears anything about him or anything negative, it's more of a, I'm jealous that other women are experiencing this attention also because I thought I was the only special one. So it was about being special. It was never about, wait a minute, he should have never touched me. This should have never happened. This is pedophilia. This is bad. That never, I don't think it ever crosses her mind. I mean, towards the end, she starts thinking maybe, maybe this was not good. I don't know. That's what people are telling me. Yeah. I mean, the vast majority of the book is, you know, is, is, her describing this relationship and what I would say for her from her perspective seems to be a love story 
not saying that that's what it is because clearly like that's the grooming but i think that's that's the point is to show you um how easy it is to become a victim in the scenario that she was in you know she's um a, a young she's still a child but she is a child who is entering into um you know womanhood and um she she thinks that it's not crazy that this man this what 40 year old man um would see her in this light and would be you know falling head over heels in love with her uh as he has led her to believe to the point to where he cannot control himself and I think that that just like I said I think that just shows that the grooming I mean that's what grooming does is to normalize not normal behavior and he was very good at it right I'm just gonna throw this out there because you know I'm devil's advocate if she was the only one if there was no one else if she was the only one what are your thoughts about this novel in that case I mean I still think that it he I still think that it would be pedophilia I still think that it would be um him grooming her whether he fully realizes that's what he's doing or not um I mean that's what it is and I just don't I believe he fully knows what he's doing I mean I'm just I'm just trying to be devil's advocate here but my thought on the situation is that he is fully like 110% aware of what he's doing and how he's doing it because even in the times when she brings up topics of well so and so said this or there was this and he actually gets angry with her mm-hmm. and he's like well fine then if you tell people there's going to be this and this and this it's kind of like a um I guess it's not kind of like it is a threat mm-hmm. that if you talk I will something bad will happen to you there's if you talk there'll be a lot of embarrassment for you your family everybody goes down and then Mm -hmm. you as a teenage girl is responsible and has the weight of everybody else's dignity and whatever else that comes with it Like Mm -hmm. you, if something went wrong, you would be responsible for your family's downfall. I'm not saying you would be, but that's the weight that mentally you feel that. Mm -hmm. I mean, he even blame like tells her that if she um, tells the truth in the circumstance where their the school does become aware of at least to some extent what is going on, um, he basically says like my future is in your hands. Like if you really believe that I am this predator, then go ahead and tell them the truth. But, you know, basically, and then he, I think he even alludes to the fact, like if, if you don't believe in our love story or whatever, then, you know, report me. 
and I'll go to jail. He also and, knows that she loves him. You're right. It's the grooming. I mean, she was convinced, was made to believe that she was so special mm-hmm. and that she loved him. And that's it. And she couldn't get out of it. And that's why she continued the relationship even into her 20s. Mm-hmm. And she was. The interesting thing in this whole story is that she didn't move on. Like even in her 20s, she's going back to him. And he he comes to her because whenever something goes wrong, he comes back to her. But that's just because something's going wrong. Other than that, there's no reason he would even want to come back with to her. But she never moved on. She never went to another man. I mean, he was her first and only for like so long. I mean, it's just... Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that tells you or shows you the level of control that he was able to exert in her life. And I don't think, honestly, I don't think he um, purposefully was trying to control her for that long as far as like um, for a purpose of their relationship, you know, I think there came a point in her early 20s, maybe even sooner than that when he was trying to get rid of their relationship, um, not nef- not trying to get rid of her in the sense of like kill her or something, but he, he wanted to get rid of their relationship. He wanted her to move on because he was not, that wasn't, you know, her, now that she was an older age, it wasn't going to be satisfactory for him any longer. And, uh, and yet he had exerted so much control in her life that she was not able to move on. And then at some point, you know, he just cut it off for a few years with her. And then he comes back into her life whenever he thinks that she's going to um, be able to like tell on him again. And, um, you know, there's um, like, as far as uh, like the expiration on those charges, they haven't surpassed that time yet and so he knows well here's this other case that's brewing and this person's trying to find other victims of mine and he's going or, and she's that um and she's going to you know come back and um get Vanessa to admit what happened and then I'm going to be in trouble and so then he like reinserts himself into her life but at that point it's almost like he's kind of losing his cool I feel like, like he's not as good at controlling her and he becomes more violent in a way or like more threatening more physically threatening from my perspective and I I mean I think that he realized that he could never completely leave her life and etc without running the risk of her telling on him um I mean, that was just my, I guess. I think, I, I think he was annoyed by her. Like, you're really going to tell on me? Like, he still wanted to, I mean, he didn't want to be with her, but it was just one of those obligations that I have to make sure that you're not going to tell on me. And that you're my only friend. Like, in a sense, he didn't want her. Mm-hmm. 
it was like, why are you still hung up on me? You're not as satisfying, like you said. But then it's like, I want you because at least you are the only one who's listening to me and who would believe me, sort of. Like, at least I can control your thought process in this. Mm -hmm. And that if I can control that, maybe I can control one element, one person to not speak out against me. Yeah. But I, the biggest issues, like you said, it's Vanessa's love story. Her belief in what is love. And that really boils down to teenagers and you know I I mean we're talking about pedophiles here and we're talking about kids I mean they're teenagers but here's the reality of it okay I don't care if you're 30 or 40 every woman I shouldn't use the word every most women like attention from a man even if it's a stranger there's just that little bit of I don't know. As long as it's not a totally, the first time it comes on, it's not a full-blown sexual come on or whatever. You know, if it's just a little bit of something. Well, I mean, I think that that's socialization. You know, I think we, our society socializes women that we, it is the height of excellence to be desired sexually. And so when you're a teenager and your brain isn't mature and your, frankly, emotions are not mature, you really want to achieve that excellence of, you know, being attractive to somebody and having somebody's attention, whether that is negative attention or not, that's what, that's a goal, right? But that's because of the socialization that you have and in this case, under. And in this case, for her, it's attention from a 40-year-old man. It's like, wow, an older person who would know better was still looking at me like, wow, as opposed to some another teenager. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing is that a 40-year-old man has more years of experience and suave in being able I shouldn't use the word suave, but it is in being able to sweet talk these girls into believing that they can achieve the highest pinnacle of what they're supposed to achieve, which is to be desirable by a man. Because like you said, we're socialized to say that a woman's worth is ultimately how desirable she is to a man. There is no other worth. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you are so educated, you're so smart, you're whatever. Ultimately, your worth boils down to how much, you know, a man desires you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, forget my dark Vanessa and pedophilia, but let's talk about the socialization, our social constructs, Okay. I know someone who's um, who in her 40s, okay, she was late 30s, early 40s, a surgeon, okay, 
super smart, went to medical school on a full scholarship, okay? Like, she's a freaking surgeon. Can't get a single desi as an in, Indo-Pakistani male to marry her. Just can't. And then, but then the highest level of socialization is to be married. And it's kind of like, so big deal. You're a surgeon, but you can never get married. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't married, actually. The reason she didn't get married or no one wanted to marry her was because, do you want to take a guess? Because they did were intimidated by her degree. There's that. There's also that. She has dark skin. And so that's the other element of socialization is when for men to be attracted to you, you have to look physically attractive and physically attractive women are not dark in the Indian subcontinent, i.e. you're looking at me. I mean, men rejected me left and right after my divorce. I mean, I've been told, I mean, like, I've been called things like, well, you think you're that attractive? I mean, who do you think you are? You're dark. You're the, you know, it's like, yeah, no, like literally, like, who do you think you are? Not like you're that attractive for you to even, you know, state a claim to anything, to even say that, okay, I want this or this or this. You have no attractiveness to even demand respect. When we socialize our children, you know, like this, we set it up, we set them up to have that exploited by predators. And that's exactly what's happening here. And I mean, the other thing that's happening is that in the book, Vanessa has fallen out with her best friend. And it's very apparent, you know, and this is only her second year at this boarding school and her former best friend who's fallen out with her was really the cornerstone of, I think, her friendships there. So she's isolated and she just wants to be accepted because she's a teenager. And then you have all these things, these socialization things, and it makes her easy prey to this predator. Right. It's so easy for That's, him to just waltz in. Again, socialization is huge. Mm-hmm. Because if you have friends, I'm not saying if you had friends, you wouldn't fall prey. But the chances you fall prey are less likely. Mm-hmm. Or at some point, the realization will hit you. For example, mm-hmm. I was dating a player okay and i knew he was a player this is the this is the interesting story in this whole thing is i'm in my 30s i'm dating a player okay i'm not talking 14 here i'm talking 30s dating a player i know he's a player he's telling me about all these other women he is with Okay. Yeah, I know your face is like, what is wrong with you? But again, ultimately, I refuse to 
I guess, see the truth. Somewhere I believe that, no, I am better than the others and he'll just fall for me. I will be the one he will pick and I will be the one he will marry. Now, I had a support system. My cousins, all three of them were like, wait, what? No, 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 no. He is not the right guy. No, this is not the guy you want to be with. But did I listen to them? No, I didn't. I I did not. And it was so hard for me, even after we quote unquote broke up and whatever happened, it was still like, wait, no, no, no. It's, this is who I wanted or whatever. But then when I got out of that relationship, later on, I started recognizing things about, you know, relationships and that when something similar happened to someone else, like someone close to me, where she was in love with someone who wasn't in love back with her, not that he was a player, but, you know, and you say, well, it's fine. Just move on. There was plenty of fish in the sea, whatever. It's very, very hard because we have been socialized. This is in my thirties, socialized that your self-worth comes from being with another man with a support system despite Mm -hmm. your support system telling you all this stuff you're still kind of like well I don't know well maybe you try to justify it Mm -hmm. now go back to a 15 year old Vanessa who lost her support system and you have this man who is being kind to her who's showing her a lot of attention, who's making her believe that she is absolutely wonderful. Who doesn't want to believe that about themselves? Like, wow, I am, this is real. And so she falls for this. Mm -hmm. And this is like the classic spider that spins its web. And the web is so perfect and it's so elaborate. That's why the flies are caught in this web. Mm-hmm. You yeah, cannot, she has no idea. You cannot blame the fly for getting caught in a web. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this case, the guy is, he's like the spider and you can't blame him for being, you know, he's just, trained that hey if I say this 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 I can get 15 year olds to sleep with me and it wasn't even just like what he was saying but like he's even using his curriculum to us well not curriculum but like extra attention in his subject so he's an English teacher so he assigns Lolita and there's you know that is and an inappropriate relationship between an adult and a child in that book and it normalizes it and but he teaches it from when he is teaching one-on-one he's teaching that from a normalization standpoint instead of from a this is not normal standpoint and I I mean I think that literature can be used in good ways and in bad ways 
Right. Um, I mean, propaganda is literature, right? Um, and many, many governments have used propaganda to control populations. Um, but one another example that I would give is two two big ones um, that come to my mind that have happened um, in my like teenage to adult life. Um, so the uh, um, vampire uh, series. Um, the, oh my goodness, help me with the titles here. Um, um, Bella and uh, oh, yeah, Twilight. Twilight. Yeah, the Twilight series. Okay. So like that, if you go to the first book, the Twilight original book, it is very much a an abusive relationship that she is in. It is a controlling, abusive relationship. And that book is targeted at teens, like no offense to the author, I don't know. I mean, a lot of, and maybe it's a lot of teen love stories kind of fit into a very controlling, inappropriate relationship. And I know it wasn't an adult child relationship, clearly, but it is a controlling, abusive relationship. And it normalizes that. Um, And then another book that normalizes not, like not um, safe boundaries, is the Fifty Shades of the Grey. And I, I read the first book and then I pretty, I, I was gifted a set. I tried very hard to get through it. At that point, I was post a, an abusive relationship and it was, um, it was really, really hard for me to finish that series. In fact, I don't even, I did not finish the last book um, because it was so difficult for me, but I felt like, that that Fifty Shades of Grey normalized things from that male perspective, that it's okay to objectify women, that it's okay to, um, you know, treat women in a controlling manner um, to, you know, even if, you know, as long as they agree to it, it's okay. Of consent, because the woman gave consent, which again, I will ask you what the definition of consent is how can somebody consent to that when they don't even know what they're really like getting into right I mean but I haven't read 50 shades of gray but I know the premise of it I know it's a snm that he's Mm -hmm. pretty much she signs a waiver right to say that he could she's my understanding is she signs a waiver I don't know if she knows what she's signing for but she signs it saying that he could do anything to me but i will not tell anyone and that there there are codes that she can say for when he can stop if the pain is too much or whatever and apparently apparently women were like really getting high on the fact that he got her to that pain threshold where she actually had to tell him to stop. And they were like, Oh, that was so great. And then finally she said, stop. Like, okay. Like that was the big, I, I mean, I talked, that's how I know this. I mean, that women mm-hmm. were like, he was doing all this and she just kept going and wow. And then finally she used that stop code or whatever. And he stopped like, wow, he is so not, like, The biggest thing is that he is, okay, here's the thing. The argument is that he kept to his side of the bargain, that he 
you know, when she said, stop, stop. The other question I have, but, you know. So did this teacher yes, in this book. I, I, and yeah. it's about a power dynamic is what it it's is, about. It is, a, it is a power dynamic in this book, except the, the dynamic in this book is that her maturity level, she is 14, mm-hmm. I mean, 15. That, it, yes, is a power dynamic, but our brains are not fully able to process long-term decisions and things like that. Um, we, the reason, one of the big reasons I, I believe that women shouldn't have sex before marriage or whatever, unless they're in a definitive, like a long, long-term relationship or whatever, is because of the emotional ties that can come with it. And I feel this is my, I feel there's probably a higher emotional tie with a woman than with a man. I don't know. I'm not a man. Uh, I do not know. I'm sure there are some men who would argue with me on this, that they have just as much emotional, uh, I guess, you know, involvement in this. But my understanding, you know, otherwise, you know, you have these teenage boys going from one girl to another. If there was any emotional bonding there why would teenage boys go from one girl to another however for a woman once she has sex it's the emotional level of connectedness is so much higher and women don't understand that and at when you're 15 you don't think in terms of oh my gosh if i lose my virginity to him blah, 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 my emotional connectedness is going to be like, I am going to be an emotional hell after this. We, we don't think that way. We don't even think that way even after we achieve maturity. After 25, we kind of do, but you know, we're, we're able to process it better. But trying to get someone to process those facts at 15? It's, it's impossible. I mean, you're right. You're right. And that, that is a big reason. Um, I mean, the other thing that, that I would say, like just going back and kind of shoring up the comparison to the 50 shades of gray is that there is, while in this book, there is a maturity and also a teacher student power dynamic in 50 shades of gray, it was, you know, she is also a teenager. I think she's like 18 or 19. She might be 20. I don't know. I don't know the age of the person in Fifty Shades of Grey. So, I mean, an age of consent has been reached, but yet she's not a an experienced person in that way. And she's a college student who is needing a job to kind of be able to pay her way. She's not well off. She doesn't come from a family of good of great means, and so she is trying to find a way to stay, you know, afloat through college and she, he pays her to do this. So this is like a, a, it doesn't really start out as a relationship. It is in a business transaction. Right. And yeah, but again, it's a business transaction, but it's still, uh, if it's a business transaction, then by that very definition, it's, she's a prostitute. Uh, Good point. Yes. No, I mean you. You. But yeah, I mean you stated right. it's a business transaction. It if okay, it is. a business transaction for sex 
is equal to prostitution. Tell me what, what, what am I missing here? No, you're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, you simplified that for me very well. I mean, I'm just, I, you're no, like, you're, you're right. like, well, no, she's, no, okay. I'm not going to argue that. Like, it's true. You're okay, right. Okay, maybe this is, <laughs> okay, maybe this is like pretty woman. It was a prostitute that he ended up marrying, like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, but this is not what happens. And he she was a, takes a really normal person and convinces her that this is a like that this is okay and like not just this is okay but this is what you want and like right. why why you know it, it, and i think it's exploiting somebody who's in a financially desperate situation and he is very well off so i i don't know i just feel like there's that dynamic there and um i think that that relationship is just as abusive although maybe not technically completely illegal um, as the relationship that we're dealing you, with in this book. But it Twilight. all normalizes. Yeah. You said Twilight was abusive too. I didn't... Yes. Tell me how that was From abusive. Con- yeah, Edward's super controlling, right? Like he um, isolates her, Bella, from her family. I read it and friends. years ago. Okay, he does? Okay. I mean, in the sense of like, you know, he, I mean, he basically, yeah, I mean, he's does controlling. He her, does he tell her she cannot be with her family and friends? I, I mean, I, at I one read, point he does. Yeah. I, yeah, don't I mean, at one, once he, she becomes a vampire, yes. But in the first one, I mean, he like follows her around at night and stalks her in her room. Okay. That's weird. Um, he, yeah, he tell, he doesn't want her to hang out with Jacob. So that's controlling. Um, he, I mean, there, I, I forget. There's like an actual, like th- somebody wrote an essay and like documented every single aspect and how it related to like, um, you know, a guide that was given to teenage girls to help them identify controlling and abusive relationships, like emotionally abusive relationships. Um, like he even grabs her, I think, in some of like in in the first mm-hmm. book a couple of times. Um he gets so angry, you know, he goes like extreme behaviors, but yeah, like they showed exactly like how that relationship fit this brochure that was handed out to girls about identifying abusive relationships. So it is, it was normalizing. I mean, I'm not saying that it was a rape, you know, it wasn't like a situation of rape or sexual assault or anything like that in Twilight, but it was normalizing a relationship that was toxic. And I would say that that the same thing for 50 shades of gray it was normalizing a toxic relationship um and even you know normalizing um and i don't i'm not saying i don't I'm not talking out against adults consenting adults who participate in um m and it's not like from a business transaction standpoint i think that it's wrong to exploit uh, people who are you know um not well off who are in vulnerable, desperate situations financially, I think it's wrong to to exploit them for your own sexual pleasure and desire. I mean, I feel like we should be probably offering women in those circumstances or men in those circumstances a better means of meeting their income than that. But instead, you know, we're choosing as a society to normalize that. And those novels were held up very high. You know, and I think, I don't know, Lolita was not written in my time. So I can't say like the purpose of why that it was written. I haven't either. I mean, I know that the general 
mm-hmm. idea of it. Not even, not just from necessarily this book, but I had heard about it before. Um, but I don't know the context in which it was written or how it was viewed at the time. But, you know, I feel like this English teacher, I'm, whether he's teaching it in the way, the context in which it was actually written or whether he's um, twisting it for his own purposes, mm-hmm. either way, I mean, he is using literature to further his own agenda with these girls. And it's not just one, like he's done this with multiple girls, at least the grooming stages right. of the relationship. I mean, the thing is in her relationship, she, her biggest challenge was that he had other girls other mm-hmm. students and she had a rough time grasping that because she wanted to feel special and she's like I was the only one and because she was in love with him and she thought he was in love with her and and I think that it was like the very existence of these other girls challenged her because if her love story is that he truly loves her and she truly loves him then there would not be these other girls and it wouldn't not not just it wouldn't like I'm not special but like he you know he would not be doing the exact same playbook but she was trying to convince herself that the exact exact same playbook did not exist with the other girls that Mm -hmm. sure fine he was with the other girls but when he was with me it was very special there was something better when he was with me that they Mm -hmm. were like later on that's that's how she justified it towards Mm -hmm. you know she just kept once she accepted that there might have been other girls she's like well fine but I'm the special one but yeah so my question is this what should women be socialized to to strive for what what should what should I strive for? What should you strive for? What should your daughter Nora strive for? What should you know? Because here's the reality: we both are married. At some point, mm-hmm. I'm sure I don't know about you, but at some point, I thought I wanted to get married. There was a point when after I went with all the guys, and I was like, I am done. Is when I said I do not want to get married, and that's when Brad showed up in my life. When I said I'm done with guys. But then afterwards, I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'll get married. It's, you know, I don't have to get married, but I did. I do not think that marriage or, and this is an unpopular opinion, but I do not think that where I'm standing now, um, I don't think that marriage or a romantic relationship should be viewed as a milestone. Because when we view it as a milestone, it means to most people that if they haven't achieved that yet, that there's something that is wrong with them or wrong with their approach or their strategy to meeting that goal, right? And I really don't think that it should be like a checklist. You know, a romantic relationship is something that is, it's right in a specific moment and it can't be, like, I just don't think that that should be, something an achievement that we hold up and another thing that I would say is when we make it an achievement that we are holding up 
as a measure of success. I mean, what about people who just, um, they don't, that that's, they don't have an inclination for having a romantic relationship for one reason or another, maybe they're just, um, asexual, asexual, you know, and why should they be made to feel like that they can't be just as successful as the rest of us just because they didn't marry somebody. Um, I mean, I think that, that some of us are blessed to be able to have a romantic relationship in a marriage, um, that that is something that God puts in our path, but I don't think it's a milestone. I don't think it should be viewed as a milestone. Um, I do think that we should shift focus to things like being our truest self or being, you know, our, the best version of us, whether that means, you know, um, finding a vocation that you're successful at and finding, um, fulfillment in your life, you know, through a vocation or whether that means going to college and then going into a career, you know, that might look different for different people. But I think that we should be socializing our children, whether they're male or female, to, you know, find what is meaningful to them in the way of work and how they can contribute to the world and how they can make the world a better place. And, and that should be the goal. Um, I mean, we already kind we pretty much do that for boys, right? Well, I mean, to us, to a certain extent, we also put the pressure on boys to find a high paying job. Um, but should right. we really be doing, should we really be putting that focus on them? Right. Um, and, but we, we socialize our, our female children, our girls to, you know, that the pinnacle of their life will be to have a family and raise family. To get the friends. That's it. Right. Like, right. Like fairy tale. We just what does the girl get? She gets the prince. That's it. Whatever that And means. I think that that's unnecessary pressure um, on, you know, both ways that we're doing it. And rather than, I think just all of our children, regardless of their gender, should be raised that you need to find fulfillment in life and what, what makes you happy, but also contributes in positive ways to this world. Join us next time for part two. And... That's it for this time. Before I go, I will make my usual pitches and requests. If you love this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can write me a review on ratethispodcast.com backslash living a life through books. I thank you in advance. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Join the conversation with me on a new app called Swell. My tag on Swell is at Bookish Podcast. It's an audio app for podcast listeners like yourself. You will find something there that will interest you that you can interact with. And it's a great way to chat with me. I'll post a link to my Swellcast in the show notes. Check it out. What else? You can reach me on Facebook and Instagram on Living a Life Through Books or email me at livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shanazamad.com. I have not posted anything there in a while. Yes, this podcast auto-uploads there, but it's something that I feel will be under perpetual construction. Or who knows? I may actually get my act together and fix it up. We'll see. I am hopeful. I have to be hopeful. We'll keep you all posted on that. The opening and closing music to this and all my 
previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavic. I'm Dr. Shnaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books, signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time. <laughs>